Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from marginalized and communities of color doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. I'm your host, Jessica Yanguez. This episode is part two of the conversation we started with Lisette Rios. As a reminder, Lisette is the founder and CEO of Chic Influence, a public relations and talent management firm focused on giving a voice to a new generation of brands and talent. In part two, Lisette discusses how what she saw while working in a large conglomerate public relations firm led her to found Chic Influence and how the BIPOC community is sorely underrepresented in those firms. She shares how she is determined to use the power of her clients to focus on media who shares their core values and move the narrative forward with all communities represented. So grab your glass of wine and join us for the chisme. So I did that and then they sat down with me and they're like, we need you to grow this practice financially by X amount by the end of the year. And I was like, okay, fine, I can do that. So, like, I don't know. I just, like, look at things and I'm like, okay, fine, I I, I can somehow make a million dollars. I don't know. I've never done it before, but I don't know. Let's, let's try, you know? Like, So then I was like, I think there's an opportunity here, whatever. And, like, it was just crazy, like, that they let me do it. And I literally, like, faked it until I made it. But, like, in three years, I went from a six-figure, like, P&L to, like, three million dollars with a team of four people so wow that was really cool and then at that point my husband was like okay you need to start your own thing because he's like you're working so hard for someone else and pretty much like the way that agencies work is that each team has its own like profit loss center so even though yes i was making money for the agency my practice had its own budget and operating expenses and profits or whatever so I was literally running a business within a business so then at that point I was like hey, maybe he's on to something like and then you know I was just like unhappy you know a lot of different things I love my clients but corporate America is just not conducive to like black and brown people personally I'll just say it now like it just is what it is and I was just unhappy with how it just had microaggressions like all the time like all the time so I was just like yeah I can't, I can't do this anymore and that really is what literally inspired me to start Chic Influence because what was very frustrating to me is like, how are these people who are so smart, who have all of these fancy degrees that I don't have? Because everyone around me was like, I went to Cornell, I went to, I don't know, Syracuse and whatever. And here I am. And everyone's like, where'd you go? I'm like a four-year, you know, commuter university. <laughs> but I like could outsmart all of them. And I just think that there's like a different hustle that minority people bring to the table because like we're always looked at less than so it's like the same from like scandals like you have to work twice as hard to have half of what they have right and I was just like I yeah I'm just gonna take my knowledge because it was very hard for me how they did not realize that 
while Latinas have their own culture, we are part of the general market. So instead of telling me that this brand needs its own Latina program, why can't we lead with Latina insights and still be inclusive of everyone else? And it was like I was talking Chinese to them. They're like, wait, what? And I'm like, because everyone thinks in corporate America that if we do a Latina initiative, we need to pull someone, whatever, no disrespect, we need to pull someone from Univision and do a program of Univision. And you're like, no, today's Latina is bilingual, bicultural. She's hip. She's cool. She's the one setting all the trends. She's the one that makes hairspray. I mean, we had so much insights about how Latinas stand, yet we knew that Latinas were the driving force behind a variety of our brand's categories. And I would get a quarter of the budget that I probably should have had. And then every time I had that little piece of budget, I somehow outperformed the campaigns that had 10 times the amount of budget. And I'm like, this should tell you something. And it's, and then it's like, when you're fighting so hard and nobody's listening to you, I'm like, I'm not going to like scream into a, an empty audience. Yeah. I'm just going to go take what I know and do it for myself. And that's literally what Chic Influence is, where it's just a blending of all of these worlds. And to a certain extent, it's like I proved it. Reina Herrera was the perfect example because anyone else would see that brand and be like, that is a Latina brand and it's in Spanish. So we're only going to pitch it to people in Espanol. Yes, in theory, it is a brand by Latinos for Latinas, but at the end of the day, it's a makeup line and it deserves to be in everyone's hands. And the founder story is relevant to any woman that listens to it. Because even though her journey is one of being an immigrant, it's a journey that is layered that a lot of women can resonate to, of the power of changing your mind. And through that, I prove that something that is so rooted in culture can be so nationally relevant. I mean, we got stories from L to people in Espanol to Huffington Post, Mexico, but that's not how corporate America in the PR sense thinks. They see anything Latin and it's like, a white person can touch it. Oh, let me find the brown girl. Oh, you speak Spanish? Okay, perfect. Go pitch that. And it's like, no, like, you are a true marketer. You should understand all of the insights. It shouldn't be that, like, a white person only knows the white insights and a brown person only knows the brown insights. Because you know what? Like, I know all the insights. I know what what's more effective for a Caucasian audience and I know what could be effective for a black audience. Why do I have to take that on? Like, everybody should be able to take it on. We all have the same access to information. Open your mind. I love that because one thing that I always that I always saw with agencies is that you wouldn't if they're not very diverse. They're not very like you look it always feels like there's just one or two token people in the agency. A hundred percent. It's so I feel like how do you feel like this is kind of how I've always felt. I felt like you need diverse voices, right? In a large agency. How many times have we seen something where like, where was the person who stopped them from making that, doing that, making that commercial, doing that thing, pitching something that way. But at the same time, you don't want it to only be like, oh, well, we're going to pitch to the black audience. So we just need the one black girl in our agency. Like you said, you have to know, you, everybody should know what, how to pitch to that. And everybody should know, maybe this is not the right thing. So having a diverse set of eyes to say, yeah, that's not right is good. 
when, but I, so I've seen so many people of color, black and brown, leave the agency world to start their own thing. Do you think that that then leaves a void in the larger agencies that they're still pitching these things and things are still with not enough sensitivity or anything because people are leaving to start their own agencies because of the lack of diversity? A hundred percent. So on Monday or Tuesday, one of my friends who is in the industry and she works at actually one of the old agencies I used to work at, which is a huge agency. We got together and we created a safe space with given, you know, everything that's happening, you know, a lot of band-aids are being ripped off, right? I think the catalyst wasn't, I mean, obviously the catalyst was, you know, George Floyd's murder. So I think Blackout Tuesday created a catalyst where you see all these corporations all of a sudden putting in a black square and people who work there are like, "Mm -mm -mm, you are not allowed to post that because you have not been an ally. So ironically enough, we get on this call late. I think it was, I don't know what day it is this week. Everything's like a blur. And it was people from all over corporate America. And for the first time, what I appreciated that my friend organized, and it was people from all over corporate America in the PR space, because we also realized that PR people and marketing marketers, we are very powerful gatekeepers between brands, the consumer, media, et cetera. So the intention was, how do we, how do we create change from here to either help the companies or help the brands? And part of the conversation actually turned into, well, we are now crippled because now we don't even know how to advise our clients, which are Fortune 100 companies. We don't know how to advise them because we don't have anyone in senior leadership that is of color. And they were like, we don't know how to retain talent. And at that point, I was the only person that was a founder. (laughs) So everyone else, you know, kind of worked for a company. And I was like, well, I'll give you my perspective and because I'm not tied to any company except that of my own. And I explained to them, I was like, you don't retain talent because corporate America is not set up for success for black and brown people. Little things such as my favorite example was the employee resource groups, right? The ERGs. And the, com- the company that I worked at was a, a conglomerate of some of the world's and best big biggest agencies. So we had uh, the Black Employee Network, we had SOMOS, which was the Hispanic Network, and then we had the Asian American one and the LGBT one. We have these employee resource groups, and it's great because it gives all of each of these demographics a place for us to connect within our very white kind of colleagues, but then we're creating this content and programming for each other, but we're talking to each other, and that's fine. But I don't need to tell another Latino the Latino experience. What I always wanted to do, because they, I was ultimately on the board of one of the ERGs, was like, what we need to be doing is bringing in our non-Latino counterparts into these spaces so they can learn from us. So then what happened was like, I always made it a point to go to the Black events, the Asian American events, the LGBT events, and obviously the, the Hispanic ones because I helped lead it. So I think that was flaw number one is like, because it's so segmented, everyone's like, oh, if I'm white, then I can't go to the, the Somos event. And it's like, no, no, calm, because otherwise all we're doing is talking to each other. So there's that. And then I don't know what it is about the HR hiring process where it's like people are just not open-minded. It's, it's very bizarre. If somebody, I know there was a few times where I like spoke up about, you know, just kind of little racist things said to me. 
And then they're like, oh, you take it up with her directly. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be the one that says it. You know, if I'm coming to you from an HR perspective, I need you to champion for me because it's like a larger corporate issue. So it's like, and the HR people don't stick up for you. So at that point, it's like, why am I going to stick around? And then what happens? You get caught in a scenario like this where people are now revolting to to just like the lack of like growth and don't even start on like the pay inequality. I was severely underpaid for my job and my role when I last left by a lot. And it was very clear. I mean, it was it was because I was Latina. And yet I was working harder and I had a more profitable P&L than any of my counterparts. And I was just like, I, I don't understand. Like my, my P&L is so profitable and I, I have to fight for an additional like $20,000. Like, yeah, at that when you're a senior vice president, like it's a lot on the line and you're working really hard and and then you see the girl next to you making fifty thousand dollars more than you you're like what no so on that call everyone was just oh and i was like yeah that's why it's like that's why black and brown people leave corporate america we don't feel welcomed and then we're tokenized i don't even know how many times we're like oh call us that we want to hear her input and i was always called like after the meeting had started yes or, or it's like, or my, or my, or I would be sitting in a meeting and like, it was almost like I wasn't allowed to like speak on behalf of the whole program. It's like, I could only speak when like my slide was up. And then I would walk into these rooms at these major conglomerates. And I'm like, I truly do not understand how some of these teams are made up. And it was just so homogenous. So like, it was just, there's no diversity here. It's like, how do you expect and I think a part of it too, you know, some of these conglomerates are not in the sexiest of cities, Cincinnati, Minneapolis. So when you're based in a city that lacks diversity, how do you attract talent there? And then what I always saw is that some of these clients, like, since that is their city, they think that's what the whole country is like. It's like, no, like Minneapolis, Cincinnati, wherever in Ohio, like that is not like how other cities function there might be commonalities you can't apply your thought process of ohio to new york city two different outcomes. so there's kind of that it's it's layered it's super layered and i think we just all decided that like we're just going to create our own lane like nobody listened like you know that was the other thing like nobody ever championed for me it was almost like i was being annoying to like my bosses Oh, we should do this. We should ask our clients. And mind you, I was a senior level executive. I had the power. At that point, I'm like, if they're not listening to me, then they're not going to listen to somebody that's more junior. You, as the founder and president of Chic Influence, you represent within the, the spectrum in regards to black and brown people, influencers, and brands. With everything that's going on right now, not only just COVID, but now we have this extra layer of this civil unrest that has been brewing for a long time. I know that Chick Influence, you have taken a very hard stand in regards to what's going on and you've conveyed that to your clients. And I would love for you to share like what that stand is, because I think it's really important to not only share what your stand is and how did your clients, how did they receive that when you decided, did you, is that something you discussed with them beforehand or was it were, was it something you're like I'm doing this and if you agree with it or not, that's your decision. 
Yeah, I think for me, because what everything that I had gone through in corporate America is that I gave myself like my own internal mantras before I started Cheek Influence, which is like, these are the things that are non-negotiable. Everything that I'm going to do is going to be purpose, purpose-led. I'm going to work with people who I am personally passionate about. And if something doesn't feel right, I'm not taking that person's money, right? All of my clients are have been long-standing clients. We do a lot of projects and consulting because not everyone has retainer budget, and that's okay. But everyone, you know, it's a it's a very unique scenario because I work directly with the founders, and also too, I'm not only working with the founders, but they are 100% owners of the companies, which gives them power. They don't have investors. They don't have to report their marketing activities to anyone to get you know approval on their activities. If I call either Regina or Julissa and I say, hey, I have this crazy idea. All they have to say is, let's go. And within 10 minutes, I can get that idea activated. That is unheard of in corporate America. In corporate America, we would plan up to two years out. Two years. Wow. So it's kind of crazy. So when they already, I mean, at this point, they know how I am. I'm very hard. And it's also very different too because it's not only founders, but both brands are very rooted in culture. So for them they themselves as brands have their own mantras that align to my mantras or my company's morals, which is everything is consumer first and we are there for the customer. If it matters to the customer, it matters to us because the customer is our community. So if we cannot be there in moments where they need us, then why would they ever give us their dollar? right? From a business level, that's how we think. It's like, you have to be there for people. And I always like tell the way that I lead my business and the way that we lead even our marketing is very emotion driven. People will never forget. People will forget what you tell them to a certain extent because words matter, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Absolutely. And if you can show up for a person as a brand, that's even exponentially more powerful. We're oper- owner-operated, founded, you know, rooted in culture, and all minority-owned. And we all understand each other. And when I started thinking, I'm like, and they know who I am. I'm like, when I believe in something, I can't stop. Because I have formed friendships now with my clients. And I told them, like, you guys, because we were all, like, revolted. We're like, how do we, how do we all use the access to information and resources that we have to really enable change? To not only enable change, but to also peel back the layer that we also are not innocent out of this, right? The Latino, the Latino community is not innocent. So we need to rectify that. We need to do better, but then also arm people with the information and let them know that we hear you and we hear for you. So when I kind of explained to them, like, what are my stance was, they're like, we love it. Because I think at the end of the day, like, people want to know that people stand for something, yeah. right? And that's just me. I, I see all of this happening and I'm like, I want to donate money. So I kind of walked them through what I wanted to do, but also realized that brands have power in this conversation. And I think one of the things that was to a certain extent rubbing me the wrong way was also to like, obviously, you know, media is very powerful and media creates a certain narrative. And I was just like, you know, we have to reconcile. How do we shift the power dynamic? Because so much of what we do is like, as publicists, like if a media outlet, no matter what the media outlet is, wants a story, we give it to them. And we'll figure out how it fits into their, like we figure out how does our brand fit into their outlet. 
But sometimes those outlets don't serve your customer. You're just doing it because it helps your search or it helps you showcase that you were in this outlet. And I was just like, you know, there's some outlets that are very anti-black. And they're even sometimes anti-Latino to their own community. So I told them, I was like, if we have to really think about how we service our media and the access that we give them to our founders, I told them, like, you are both empowered to tell me if you don't want to service a certain media outlet. And they were like, that's perfect. We literally started making cuts this week. They're like, this outlet, I don't like how they're covering the story. This outlet hasn't even acknowledged it. Like, this is like a severe human rights issue. And if you're going to continue business as normal and not provide as a media outlet information, facts, explaining to people why this is happening, especially explaining to the Latino community why this is happening, we have a problem. Because you have power to help change this conversation. So that was kind of stance number one. And then on the talent side, because my agency is twofold, is enabling and empowering our talent, which we have a very diverse roster. We have everything under the sun. And I set it up that way because that's just how I operate. Like I want every voice possible to make it even more diverse, but we're also a very small team, so we can only handle so much business. But, you know, we told all of them, if a brand is not to your liking and how they're operating or responding to this, I don't ever want you to feel that you don't want to tell us as your managers, I don't want to take that deal. Because ultimately, if we if they turn on a deal, that input impacts us too. That's how we make our money, right? We're commission-based with our talent. But we told them, like, I've always believed not all money is good money. I have turned on more business than anyone could ever imagine. Because when I meet with people and I'm like, mm, that person wrote me the wrong way. Like, I have been in this industry too long to have anyone drive me crazy. That's another thing. Don't be... I can't handle when people are down my, down my throat. Like, I have my process. I have my way of working. I'm going to give you everything you need, but I'm not going to be talking to you every five minutes. You don't pay me to talk to you. You pay me to produce results. So they all loved it because, you know, our roster cares about what's happening. And they also, you know, we had to get on calls with brands this week to be like, depending on your response, my client may want to terminate their contract. And they were like, what? Because every big brand thinks that like any, everyone will stop what they're doing to work with them because they flash a big dollar sign in front of them. And I think also too, this is creating like a very necessary power shift that now at this point, some people are not going to be bought off. Like you really, really have to stand up. And we actually got an email from one of our talent being like, I'm going to work on like my must haves, which is like a brand must have a purpose must stand for something must be donating to this i want to see what their their teams look like and i'm like these are the questions that we should be asking and i'm okay with that and then as a business i want to make sure too that like we help enable change by just bringing as much information as possible and i think voting is super important and i think a lot of young people take it for granted i've always voted in every presidential election i probably should be voting in every election because voting is a privilege there's so people you can vote there, there's no voting in Cuba. A lot of places you can't vote. So I want to make sure that people voting sign isn't up. necessarily voting. It's yeah. It's I mean, I just showing up to make people feel like they are. But yeah. you know, we do have a voice, and I think something as unfortunate as 
George Floyd getting killed and seeing like the lack of injustice, even though yes, now, but there's still many people who have died at the hands of public servants who have not been charged because there might be some back end things happening with the DA and local judges and people forget that all of those roles are elected. So we also have a hand in shaping what happens at a local level. And that will help ladder up at a national level. So that's just kind of like my personal thing that I'm going to do personally and with the company is just kind of drive voter registration. I'm really going to try not to tell people who to vote for. Just step one, sign up, register, and show up to the polls. I mean, that's already a powerful thing, right? And encouraging that. Um, before we get into the questions that I always ask anybody, there's Guy. We could literally, I could sit here and talk to you for another hour easily. But I know we're, we can, you know, I know we can't, but where do you want to see not only what people do within public relations, but what you're doing with Chick Influence? Where would you like to see that go in the next three, five plus years? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like everything that's happened this year between like the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement is just like you we don't, I think we can't even plan anything anymore. I've, I've always been very long-term driven. Like I love crazy long-term goals, but I don't know. It's so hard to tell because like, I would have never thought that like, I'm even doing talent management. That was never part of the plan. So I'm not really sure what the evolution of Chic Influence is. I sort of like let it grow very slowly. Starting a business, starting a business, I always say starting a business is very easy. That's the funnest part. Launching it, is super fun. The first year is the best. You're allowed to make every mistake under the sun because you're figuring it out. But then year two, year three, now you have benchmarks. You have metrics to guide against. And you're like, every year, the stakes are higher, right? The stakes are higher. You got to grow. You're getting more business. Now you need to hire. That's For me, that's the hardest part. I would love to have more employees so that I can take on more business. But I'm, to a certain extent, I'm an empath. I take on other people's feelings. And it's very hard because like, having a team creates so much more work, right? They alleviate a lot, a lot, but they create more work. So it's hard because it's like I nurture my two team members so much that I'm like, what is the dynamic if I add in another person? And it'll happen with time. So I think I always say I would love for it to be like six total, me plus five. So that I can either take on more talent, take on more, more PR, but see what the evolution of it is, right? So I don't know. I think growth for me is just the goal. Because I also like to start, and I know this is like crazy. I've already been down like big conglomerate brands. You don't have a life. I love right now that like my clients, all of the clients understand how we work. I am huge on having a personal life. To me, my job and my role is what I do, but it is not who I am. I've never allowed a job to define me or to create my value. So for me, my family, my husband, my love of running, my love of just doing things, that's who I am. And your love of Nescafe? Oh, and that, well, Nespresso. <laughs> Nespresso, so. yeah, Nespresso. Anytime yeah. I see anything, okay, just for people, if you, you, First of all, we'll make sure that everybody knows and you'll give your, your social handles. But you were like the Nespresso 
Queen. Nespresso branded cup right here. Look at oh the my logo. gosh. Literally, I see it and I think of you. And I don't have, I've used it because my sister has one. I was like, well, if you don't want it, give it to me. I'll use it. it yo, it's a, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Yeah. So, but so kind of, yeah. Because the fact that I even see that. So, <laughs> you know, I know you're working on getting that. You know, you're tagging them and everything. You have. You every people are always saying they got one because of you. So, if you get I'm trying, one, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think slow. I just I let things be. I'm a planner. I'm an erotic planner. That's one thing. Like I'm like this weird balance of planning for the long term and having a plan and being realistic. I think one of the things that like people always think they're like, oh wow, her business is growing. I'm like, let me tell you. I look at my financial tracker every single day. I do my projections three months out. I know exactly where I am at any given moment. And I know when I need to scale back on spending, when it's okay to maybe like, like, oh, a little bit more. I, for me, it's just growing it in a way I have always been profitable. We have never operated at a loss from a year to year perspective. So I just want to be able to sustain that. But I think this year we're just like in survival mode. If I break even, I'll be the happiest person in the world, right? Like that's just the reality because with what we do, one, I work with small brands and these small brands are being affected sales-wise and from a retail perspective, right? Everyone's like, what's essential, what's non-essential? Makeup is not essential. It's just what you do to make yourself feel better. So I was nervous. I'm like, are they going to drop their PR services because they're going to take like a hit? I don't know. And then on the talent side, you know, our a lot of campaigns got put on pause. But the way that we get paid out is like, I'm not going to feel the effects of Corona for like another two months because of the payment cycles. So it, it was very nerve wracking. So I don't know. I think this was a very humbling year for all of us where it's like, okay, I can plan, but I've just decided not to be as neurotic on my long term planning because I the rug was pulled off from under us. Like at this point, I'm just trying to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow because in the last three months, everything changes so much. Yes. Day to day, everything changed so fast. So before, so what if I want to make sure I give you a chance before I ask these other questions to make sure that if there was anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to get in. No, I mean, this is, this is your show. I'm just <laughs> so appreciative to be here and I guess to just ramble. <laughs> like. Whatever you say, but... I like getting the cheese, man. I like just asking and letting people say what they want to say. Um, make sure you let people know how they can reach you on social media. Yes. So my business handle, which we try to be active there, but it's mostly just like a, an array of results, is at Chic Influence. So it's C-H-I-C and then the word influence. Um, and then we're chicinfluence.com. I was so proud of myself because we didn't have a website for two years because, you know, when you're small business, you ain't trying to spend money, but I did it myself and I'm very happy. Um, so we now have a website. We launched in January and, or my personal, which is just at Lisi Marie. I really try to keep, I really try to keep my personal account fun. For me, social media is fun. I feel like this is just like my random ramble and then I'll just be quiet where it's like everyone always has like sometimes it's like negative feeling towards social media. It's only like negative and daunting if you allow it to be, right? Maybe it's because I don't live in the same city as my family. So it's just like a way for them to like have a peek on my locuras. And I'm just like a happy person that doesn't take a lot of things so seriously. So 
that's where I'm like my dad, right? My dad is like the biggest jokester. We, I like to be sarcastic. Maybe it's also like the Leo thing where I have no, I have no problem being an introvert because I'm very, I'm a homebody, but I also have no problem putting on a show. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just, I'm just crazy. So I'm just fine. So let me ask you some, a, a few questions then. Um, what do you wish you would have known when you started out? Let me, let me, let me make that more specific. What do you wish you would have known when you started your agency? It's hard. I mean, I mean, I would have done it anyways. Like, had I known, I still would have done it. But I think, let me give you the perfect analogy. My husband, from since I've known him, he's always had his own company. And I would always get frustrated when I was working corporate America, how he could never shut off, right? Because in corporate America, you close your, your computer and you're like, it's time to go on vacation. I'm going to fill out my PTO. And you follow your PTO and somebody else is going to handle your work. And I would always be like, babe, come on. Like, it's not that serious. Whatever. And then he'd be like, no, you don't understand. Like, I can't shut it off. I'm like, you're the boss. Yes, you can shut it off. Boy, have I eaten my words so many (laughs) times. So many times. Because now, like, obviously it's been five years. But, like, for the first year, I ate so much humble pie. Because he's like, oh, now you get it. And I think... I, it's just, it's just so hard. Like, it's so gratifying because the stress that I have now is my stress. It's a stress that I chose. It's a stress because I want to over deliver for my clients. I want them to be so proud of what we do for them, but it's also so stressful because the money as a small business, the money that my clients give me, that's their personal money. I take that with such a weight of responsibility that I'm like, I cannot, right? <laughs> I like literally, like, I'm always like, I can't, I can't, I can't. So I, I wish I would have understood what a insane roller coaster it is. But then I also realized is like, you just can't take everything personally. Everything is just straight business. Like, yes, you can be passionate, but the decisions that you have to make on a constant basis is just straight business. So. I think it's just maybe being a little bit more emotionally prepared because like when you're on a high, you are on a high because you're like, I did this. But when you're on a low, it's like nobody. The other thing which is tied to this, which I wish I would have known is like at this moment forward, like nobody's really going to truly understand me unless they're they're a business owner. So now I feel like for example, more connected to my husband. I'm way more empathetic. I let him do his thing. He lets me do my thing when it comes to my business aspect. And sometimes it's very hard to, for my friends to understand that don't have businesses and they work in corporate America. It's like, I'm very thankful that you reached out to me and you want to hang out this weekend, but I can't, right? Like, I have to do things for my business. And I think for them, they think like, oh my God, she's just such a workaholic. But it's like, if I don't do, I have, if I don't do it, like, there's no business. It's literally all on you. Yeah. Um, what are you curious about right now? Oh, oh my God, I'm so curious about everything. Um, I'm like a, like a constant student. So, well, now, honestly, I'm just very curious about just the voting process. Because, yes, it's very easy to tell people vote, vote, vote. But, like, I now have to, like, take a step back and, like, really educate myself. So, like, the same way I did my running journey of, like... I've never ran a day in my life, but I just signed up for the for a full marathon. <laughs> Let's do this together. Um, 
is now I'm going to take the same approach with voting because I just feel like a lot of people don't vote because they don't understand and or they don't understand what's on the ballot they don't understand the candidates because it's not like you see ads for like the person running for city council like you have to do that research yourself exactly so i'm just gonna that's what i'm personally curious about but i guess maybe like pre-pandemic and pre this i I was just more curious about just being a better book reader because i used to read so many books and then like i stopped reading but and then still running and stuff because i always want to get better and like running is just very very intense in terms of like the things that you have to learn so that's why i like running like it just makes me always be a student but i also have a man in a week and a half so i feel really guilty <laughs> what can make you smile no matter what my husband and my dog for sure oh I they're love just it. like sources of happiness i know it's like so cheesy but it's like true but sometimes those are the, i mean just they're cheesy for a reason right because it's usually true yeah. um yeah what is a dream that scares you i know this is gonna sound like crazy but nothing scares me i mean that like honestly like a hundred percent i'm not gonna be like oh she's just like saying this is like literally i think if I, if you would have asked me that I was still in corporate America, that I would have had a different answer. But I think when you go through the journey of starting a business and sustaining it, you realize that like the journey includes so many failures, but it's not really a failure. It's a learning. It's a learning lesson. And then also cheesy, do running and training and finishing a marathon. I always say there's the set pre-marathon and then there's the set post-marathon. The marathon literally taught me. I can't, I will. I tell people all the time. Training for a marathon is so insanely physically hard, but it is harder mentally because every single week before you start a seventeen mile run, you have to tell yourself, "Bitch, you're running today. You're running for four hours straight, and your mind just takes you to very weird, dark places." Um. So after that. I really realized that nothing in this world is impossible and you can you can literally do anything if you put your mind to it. And having certain things doesn't scare me like at all. Like I'm just constantly living like what's next, what's next, what's next because I just can't stop. Even my mom is like, girl, like sit down for five minutes. Like I can't. <laughs> Like my, I can't, like when I stop this, okay, I'm going to start the dishes and I'm going to do the thing. Then I'm going to take the one like a hour walk and then I'm going to come back. I just won't stop. So like, honestly, like nothing scares me because I feel like I've done two very, very scary things that like a majority of people don't do. And you realize you're like, okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> I'm well, I know you already yeah. answered this question at the beginning, but it's, we book everything with the wine. So. Favorite wine, red, white, or rosé? But can we add bubbles into it, too? Oh, well, sure. It's technically sparkling, okay. right? Sparkling wine? It is a sparkling wine. So I'm a big cava drinker because in my, I pretend that I'm going to live in Spain at some point in my life. And I love cava because it's, I don't know, there's like something about champagne that like sometimes kind of grosses me out. Like so, champagne gives me like weird neurotic hangovers. Um, and then I like Prosecco if it's on the dryer side, but I love Kava. I've ne I feel like I've never had like a bad Kava. I don't think of it. But, 
but I honestly I can't remember like the name of the kava. I feel like every time I order, I never buy kava honestly at home. I always like order it at a restaurant. Um, the next time, just take a what, picture from your phone and send it to me. So yeah, what you're getting. Yeah, but I do love bubbles. I feel like no matter the season, if it's like winter or fall or summer, like I'm always down for some kava. Always. <laughs> Lisette, thank you so much for spilling the cheese, my girl, you, and just really sharing your journey and sharing a lot of really insightful personal information. It's so appreciated. So I want to make sure. I no, of course. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being flexible. I know I had to reschedule for personal reasons. I'm very appreciative of that. Um, and I'm super appreciative of this podcast. I can't wait to hear it. And you already know. If anyone listening ever needs anything, feel free to hit me up. I always love connecting with people and women and kind of share as much as I can from a resource aspect. I feel like we can only be as good as the people that we bring up with us. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to staying connected. I'm going to let that be the last thing. But we're only <laughs> as good as the people we bring up with us. Until next time, mi gente. Bye. Thank you for listening to the conclusion of this episode of the Wine and Cheese Med podcast. I told you you weren't going to want to miss it. As always, the links to the website and social media will be included in the show notes. And if this episode inspired you in any way, please make sure to reach out to Lisette or myself and I can let her know. Do you have a story that needs to be told or know someone who does? then please reach out to me. Guess what? We have a website now. You can reach out direct, directly on the website at thewineandcheesemitpodcast.com where you're able to fill out an application to be a guest. You can also reach me on my social media at the Wine and Cheese Podcast on Facebook and LinkedIn and at the Wine and Cheese on Instagram. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheese please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star reviews are always appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, mi gente, saludos.